0: They're bad, they're boys, and occasionally they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Bye bye, bye 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around,
1: but that doesn't mean
0: that you have to leave. You're doing it, you do it, you do it. Okay, okay, bye 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 bye. bye, bye. Hello, how are you doing, Jay Rainsford? I'm all right, David Hard. What is how has life been for you? What is happening these days? I haven't seen you for a a week, even though we've probably just released an episode with both of us on. Um, it makes no sense, <laughs> but somehow true. Yeah, I know. Uh,
1: yeah, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been to the Isle of Wight again. Um, not doing any running. Of you course.
0: love that place.
1: Well, my parents have a of um, a static caravan there,
0: which ah.
1: which um, I mercilessly took the piss out of them when they first bought it, and over the years. They've upgraded and upgraded and upgraded. And now it's like quite this luxurious lodge that the kids love going to. They're like,
0: oh, yeah, maybe we'll go over
1: to your, your, your. They call it the lodge to make it sound a little bit more. Uh, when,
0: when you say they've upgraded a stationary caravan, does that mean they've just got nicer pillows?
1: No, 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 no. They've gone they've gone ridiculous so much so that they um they spent more money on it than they 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 try to hide how much money they spent on it. <laughs> it, and it's kind of insane. Like the stuff that is in it, it's not, it's like a, it's like a small house. It's bigger than my flat in London. It's like, it is, it's huge, this bloody thing. Um, but the kids love it because they can go and uh, play on the, on the beach and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, so they'll be like, but you know, it's, um, it's still the Isle of Wight, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but in some ways, you know, it's, it's lovely to reminisce and, and go back to living in the 1950s. We can see what, so, it's, like. Can see what yeah. it's
1: like in racist Britain.
0: Yeah, we can, yeah, oh, we can see what, the... what I,
1: did, I tell you what I did do, though, which I absolutely loved. I went on a hovercraft
0: for the first time. Oh, that's pretty fun, right?
1: That was amazing.
0: What? Was it one of the big cats?
1: It was what? Uh, what? The big cats?
0: And they called them the cats? Aren't they cats, hovercraft? No,
1: oh, no, those are catamarans.
0: No, this is like oh. old school hovercraft. Oh, oh! I think I've do, I think I've have been on one before years ago though. And it has it really got a frilly skirt around it. the yeah, edge? It has a frilly skirt around the edge. Nice, nice. And yeah. the kids must have gone crazy for that.
1: Well, they, because it because it's officially known as a flight. Frida pretended mm. that she was scared of flying. I'm like, it doesn't quite work like that, sweetheart. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was great. It was great. This is, I mean, this is how the weather was pretty bad when we were there. This is how bad it was. The weather well, was so bad when we were there and there was so little to do that we got a hovercraft back to Portsmouth. Now, to, to do so, to go to, to, to actually go and do something during the day. That's how bad it is. That should never happen. You should never stay somewhere
0: where Portsmouth is your option for going
1: and wow. escaping
0: from it. The Isle of Wight is so bad that your best days out are away from the Isle of Wight. <laughs> that's it. I, you have to cross.
1: You actually have to cross a body of water to get away from it in order to. No,
0: it was yeah, but it was it was good. It was good. And um is that know. what their slogan is? Come to the Isle of Wight. Only and and one sea ferry away from Portsmouth.
1: There's some very very interesting. Tra- I, I'm I'm really into my transport. I, I fucking love it. I love trains. I love trains. Even commuting, I, I enjoy. It. And. They, the Isle of Wight has some really interesting public transport. So it's got it's got a um, a train that goes from the end of the pier all the way over to the other side of the island. But it goes underground for most of it. And it is a former underground tube
0: train. From for like, why did they have that before? In the, was it used that much? And or was it for mining?
1: No, 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 no. It's just this train. It just goes from one side of the island to the other. Most of it underground. Um, but the, but the thing is, you look at this tube train. And you're like, God, they haven't cleaned it since they've got it. It. You literally are sitting in a tube. But it goes from the end of the pier. I might. I, I literally am the only person to find that. Do you think they just had bone. extra track? They just went. Let's go. That pit ended that. But you could drive to the end of that pier as well. It costs you one pound twenty, I think, to drive to
0: the so if airport. you want to if you want to use that train and you live in town, you've got to go all the way to the end of the pier <laughs> to get on the train to go you've
2: got,
1: Well actually well actually it's cheaper to pay the one pound twenty to drive onto the pier to park at the parking at the end of the pier to get on the train there in order to get actually it could be a good way of um, of saving money on the uh, on it but yeah, it was good. It was it was it was it was a <laughs> nice holiday. Where the thing is, I did that classic thing of even though, even I've I've still got problems with my feet with gout. That they still haven't gone. Okay, I think it's more. I I I am absolutely certain now. It's more than gout. Gout plus.
0: Um, That you. Okay, a new disease.
1: It's. I think there's a a disease on top of a disease. Something like that. Um. Well, I've started feeling. I've started feeling stuff in my hands as well now. So. it, this is feeling degenerative and I'm not And I need to go back to the doctor. I haven't um, I've only I've only been back a day So I need to I need to go at some point soon um, but even not being able to even having all this pain in my feet and not being able to run I still did the classic oh we're going on holiday and took trainers and and some kit with me just you have to Eve yeah you, you can yeah. literally be wheelchair bound and go I oh, you know I might be able to get them <laughs> on somehow I might be able to
0: did you slip them on
1: no I didn't put I did I think I might have put the um the shorts on briefly um, uh, just to knock about the uh, the, the lodge in um, but that, that that was about it but
0: well, I'm back. Go on. You're back running. I'm back. I'm back running. So <gasps> one of us is now running. Oh my god! I've, I've mentioned this on last week's episode, I believe, which is is hopefully the one with Ali. But I figured I could only run, so I can. I'm only really meant to do like half a mile maximum in terms of walking or anything before my leg hurts. And so I figured, well, every day I'm just going to run as fast as I can for that distance. And so,
1: <laughs> and who gave you that advice? Or was that just classic? I know this is the Hellard School of Medicine.
0: Well, I figured I've not been doing anything and I'm still injured. So I might as well do something and still be injured. And then there's no difference, but I'm getting to at least do something. But oh my God, I tell you, running, run, it's about, it's just under 800 meters. Running that as fast as you can every day is pretty hard. It's, I mean, it's not a race distance I'd want.
1: 800 metres is horrible. What's worse, yeah. 800 metres or 400 metres?
0: I, I, I think it's, the, the difference is, in 400 metres, when I've done it, Your your arms go numb from something i don't know what it's where the the speed you're moving or something (laughs) is that
1: for everyone
0: (laughs) i I don't know i get this if i've if i've ever done a 400 meters my body my my it always feels almost feels like my bones are seizing up and my arms kind of go numb and i go a bit stiff in my upper body and that's really tough but in an 800 meters you, you get a bit of that but you also get the fact that you just can't breathe at all and you've got a lot farther, further to get through still left when that hits. I reckon it's probably harder because you don't really get... You don't get... The, the first bit of it isn't any bit nicer than a 400. It's still pretty intense. Yeah. So, um, But I just figure there's got to be good brain training, right? Absolutely... Beasting yourself every morning, even if it's only for two minutes. Well, I wish two minutes, two minutes 20, where it is.
1: I want to say, what? If, what I, I have no idea when it comes to times. What is it? What is a good 800 meters time?
0: Um, I mean, top top in the world would be 140, which is insane. It's a 50 second lapse, but I, I'm, I'm not convinced on the, the measuring of my street because my street loop, which is my way of, of trying to massage my ego a little bit. Oh,
1: you're not even on the track.
0: No, I just step. Outside my gate, on my roads, and I run r- a loop of the block around me
1: as fast as you can. <laughs>
0: fast as I can, every morning. Yeah. <laughs> How early do you do this? Typically, it's slower this weekend, but I'd say around eight o'clock, eight fifteen.
1: And is it particularly busy around your area? I just like the idea of just some <laughs> someone carrying a bunch of groceries and you just <laughs> slamming right through them as you're trying to trying to I, get um, your uh,
0: I'm yet to I'm yet to I almost had a run in today when I was trying to corner and the car was pulling out Ah, but it was it was okay but yeah I'm yet to you slide
1: across the bonnet aggressively
0: (laughs) (laughs) but actually two days ago I had my first um first people actually walking down the street and I was quite excited by that because I just thought they're gonna think they're not gonna think this guy is going out for an eight hundred meter run. They're gonna think <laughs> they're gonna think, wow, this guy is insanely quick. Now, thinking that, talking of someone insanely quick, we haven't talked about CFTB for a while. Uh, and
1: no, we haven't. Has he has he has he done another record that's been beaten within
0: seconds? Well, I've received an an incredibly long email from him, and I must have looked at it. When I was out or or didn't even acknowledge, didn't see that it come in because i hadn't actually read it all, but he's got he's given me a nine point recourse to what we said on the podcast about him a few a few weeks ago so do bad if you don't know who c f t b is he's one of the one of the faster runners in the group he um is renowned for running um drinking and running races. Very quickly without drinking. Much Um,
1: to the consternation of other competitors who complete it correctly. Yet, Yes. Hence his name.
0: Yes. Which we we cannot. Well, you'll have to go back to hear it because it's it's so rude. Bleep,
1: face, twat. Oh, no, I nearly bleeped out the (laughs) (laughs) bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Don't listen to me.
0: So he's come back. He's been because a few weeks ago, we claimed that Richard is a fan of um, he's, he's a better promoter than we are in some ways. So, oh,
1: yes. Yeah.
0: So he said he firstly said that he only tweeted about his his Ross Barkley 5K time where he um, he's he, he essentially broke the world record in the 5K by stopping and starting his Strava down a fast hill and running back up very you know very nicely done he says he only tweeted that and Robbie Britton picked up on it and asked and asked him to uh to write an article I'm guessing he tweeted at Robbie Britton but the interesting thing is Rich and I, I'm, I'm not sure whether I should be reading all this out on the podcast on the <laughs> <message>. <laughs>
2: I keep
1: reading
0: <laughs> but he has made some pretty big statements. So, um, if if you've not listened to the the podcast the last few weeks, Rich has broke something called the Jubilee um, Greenway, which is a, a a lesser known route around London.
1: Unknown, I'd go so far. Too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unknown apart for unknown unless it's to CFTB and the other person who did it.
0: So, um, so. The same week that he set the course record, which I'm not sure it had ever even been run before. Um, Paul Martinetti beat it. He, so apparently he was six minutes quicker. So he was a fair bit quicker. Um, but he's Ages quicker. Over what distance? Over, I'm going to say 50 kilometers. Is it that far? Capital ring. He's not sure someone's going to go for it. But Rich clearly has a taste for ultras now. But he firstly says the South Downs Way 50. So Rich has still never raced an ultra. He's, he's already said, I think the 544 record by Tom Evans is potentially in sight. He's already, he's already calling out Tom Evans. He's then backing it up with my qualifier for the 10th Path 100 in May. Again, 1409 record looks like it should be a formality on a flat course. <laughs> That is a big claim.
1: That is a big one. That is a big one. He's never. So what's the longest he's ever run before?
0: It's the, the capital ring, isn't it? We're, the capital ring, yeah.
1: Not under race conditions, though.
0: So. No, 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 no. So this is going to be interesting because I think a formality suggests <laughs> that, an easy, like, that it's almost impossible for you not to achieve that. So for... Um, For his first 100 miler, Rich essentially is saying he is quite easily going to break the record for the fastest ever Centurion 100 miler time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I can see a formality just being a new BBR
2: catchphrase.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. But what we need to do if he goes for it, we need to set up um, alcoholic drink stops all along the course that he then obviously will turn down again. And um, and try and get his great rival to run it, drinking at every point, claiming the victory.
1: Oh, that would be great. That would be great. Now, I love that. I love that yeah. level of that level of hubris there. Yeah. I I'd let you go. I'm not. I I'm not doing anything to promote myself. You know, I don't do anything to promote myself apart from the fact that I come out. And I tell everyone <laughs> that I'm going to smash a 100-mile Centurion record. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. <laughs> uh,
0: amazing. Nothing amazing.
1: Well, you were going to read that out on this podcast as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, Rich, next time, next time you read Mummy, you need to maybe write which things I'm not allowed to read out loud.
1: We have but, to, almost, we just have to. We have to make it clear. Anything that you write to BBR gets is. is we're allowed to read out. It doesn't matter whether it's negative negative, whatever. We're allowed to read out. If it's a especially if you're a lawyer, inquiry,
0: especially if you're a lawyer.
1: I don't know whether any of that contravenes any of the data protection uh, uh, guidelines we're supposed to be following, but in my mind, nothing is off the record. Yeah, hundred percent. We were journalists. We were journalists. You
0: know. You know. Now, we've had we've had people start to write in the letters at badboyrunning.com. Oh, they've always and, been writing in. I just never forwarded them to you. Ah, uh, uh, OK. Well, we've had quite a response to one of our guests. And, and there's a, a few individuals who, are, let's say, probably don't agree with the scientific vigour of one of our former guests. Can, can you guess who it is? At uh, Lee Stuart Evans. I oh, know who, who they're who are they who they're calling out.
1: Yeah, Lee Stuart Evans.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh the scientific rigour of our former guests. Um uh, it wouldn't be um Oh my god, it's not the most hated man. Who's not Tim Sheep, is it?
0: No, not Tim. I mean Tim
1: I, I don't think <laughs> <laughs> there's any science, right? There was no science to to be rigorous about.
0: I mean that's like calling out um it's like calling out Mary Poppins for um, <laughs> <laughs> for that kind of scientific, no no disrespect him, no disrespect. Love you, man. Love you. Man. But <laughs> spiritual rather than scientific. I think I think he'd agree with that. But um, we've had a letter from Alfie Lewis, who is a, a long time listener, apparently, but also a doctor, and he said he's properly effing horrified. By the Ben Greenfield podcast.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So he um he he wants to make it clear to anyone listen to that that there is f all evidence for the things he was talking about. Um, and there could be some potential harmful, like hyperbolic oxygen bit was particularly tar- terrifying. I don't even remember that what that was.
1: there were so many terrifying elements I can't even remember
2: which one it (laughs) was
0: yeah and um so I I think um interesting because I felt I was possibly the wrong person to do that interview in that I didn't really understand the words coming out of his mouth well enough that's to be every, able
1: yeah, that's every interview we <laughs>
0: <laughs> well enough to be able to counter them with i should have done more like are you sure yeah. or where's the science behind that um so if you haven't listened to that episode le- yet just from from my friend Alfie have some caution to anything he says because apparently it's proper bollocks
1: I, what but. i don't understand is that we get all these different people on they think and people will come out and say stuff like that yet we did that barefoot running episode where we were <laughs> giving advice on barefoot running we, neither was ever having barefoot run <laughs> oh no i tried i tried and i got injured well i tried and got,
0: i got injured as well I that literally <laughs> and that's all you need to know about barefoot running <laughs> There you go. Barefoot running in ten words.
1: But the worst part about that one is that some people actually said, oh, the barefoot running one was interesting. It actually quite lurked quite a lot. I'm like, for what? For what? <laughs> Look, there's, there's a fundamental rule, OK, that generally, if you're listening to BBR, you shouldn't actually. If you take your advice from BBR, what the fuck is wrong <laughs> with you for a start? You should never, ever take any advice. When it is serious, we always go, this is a serious episode. And we have a few of those. It's like taking
0: nutrition advice from Ronald McDonald. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I hear you've been watching some higher level sport.
1: Oh, my goodness. I have been watching. This is the first time I've ever watched uh, Diamond League. Really? uh, Ever? ever? Yeah, Yeah, why would you? It's so boring. Um, But uh, the the reason it is that Hugo, who Mm. who was five when, when we were in the Isle of Wight, he had his birthday there. Um, we were pl- we were playing football outside and we came inside and he was just sat down having a, uh, an apple juice and stuff like that and he started watching the athletics and i don't think i've ever seen him as excited he any any particular accident. part just wait all of it uh, just all of it. it and i can say actually it really appeals to, to, to children doesn't it because it's so like cut and dried. you have the no complex- complexity yeah no, there's no complexity you see the race start you see the race finish all in the same moment people are racing against each other there is a clear winner there are clear losers you know all of those all of those things you know and he was absolutely loving it and I think we were I said you had to try and pick someone it turned a little bit like the Grand
0: National I said was he making bets of his cookies
1: a little bit like that um but yeah so pick someone to 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 win the race and everything he's going oh you know who should I pick stuff like that and I'm like yeah yeah pick Timothy Chariot I think I think I think I think he's got a good (laughs) chance of doing it (laughs) so kind of pushing him to but he was it was absolutely loving it i have just never thought like and i suppose it made me think about i can see why athletics uh yeah. like why people think of the olympics they think athletics because it's the easiest to understand of yeah. everything else isn't it it's like in its purest form person against person in that way you can you can really understand it but i really i really felt that when um when he was um when he was watching that because he was absolutely loving it i was like it, I don't think I've seen him this enthusiastic uh, about anything uh, before. It was it was insane.
0: That's great because actually, there's nothing worse than not knowing to do the kids over a summer. And the good thing is, there's Olympics or World Championships pretty much every summer. You've just got a month where you can go. Hey, here you go, mate. Sit and watch this, and I'm I'm helping you be more athletic.
1: Because I remember putting on London Marathon to watch it with the kids, and the kids were like, this is so boring. I'm like, I haven't even switched the bloody thing on yet. <laughs> oh, it's so boring. It goes on for hours. And they don't
0: understand. Like They were screaming, I hate charity. I hate <laughs> charity. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hate the organisers of the London Marathon and everything. Um, the other thing to notice about Diamond League, though, there were a lot of uh, records broken. Uh, a
0: I know. Lot
1: of records broken. That's...
0: Given given that
3: that
1: no one's you, supposed to be training.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean we're all humans, right? Who who is actually gonna be training harder now in lockdown? Like no one is. And that's the thing, like can people be tested during lockdown? I'm assuming not. So do you think well,
1: I think it was pretty obvious not.
0: There yeah.
1: Actually every race there was a record broken. It was insane.
0: Yeah, and but I don't know what you can do about it that's the thing at the moment how couldn't you test people and it's a pretty sad state of affairs um yeah I'm,
1: I know well that was it, it it hurt me to let go down he was really enthusiastic about it until I explained to him uh you know the uh, endemic drug problem in athletics and so he's probably it's probably that's
0: probably ruined it for him So did he say daddy I want to be like them and he said there's no way I'm pumping you full of the amount of." <laughs> testosterone and drugs they are <laughs> no you had to then explain back and go through. i said well no i said if we're going to do it we're doing it
1: um during school uh, because i want you winning everything <laughs> from a really good set. and they they're not going to be expecting that no one expects epo on sports day
0: yeah five year old with a beard amazing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well have you seen about the ne- the vapor fly what about the vapour flies? So talking about records going, this is, well, there, there's, there's been a couple of articles it's recently. Like talk about cheating in sport. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's 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 interesting because, um, firstly, there was a good article that someone posted in the group about um, by Business Insider, where they were talking about the number of runners now who are wearing blacked out vapour um, flies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's pretty it's pretty prevalent. There's it's quite common. We had like Stephen Scullion from um, who won the Dublin Marathon, and quite a few others. And it, it was going into actually saying how not just that they're doing that, but that people are actually that the brands are having to back to that into their sponsorships because. I've got a, in fact, the, the article I'm trying to look at, I've got content, an ad blocker that's stopping me from being able to view it. They were actually talking about one athlete who he was coming to an end of his contract with his existing sponsor. I don't think it was Stephen, um, but it was someone else of that level. And um, he then left and had it in his new sponsor's contract that when he races, he's allowed to wear Vaporfly. Oh really? Which is really interesting. If you're and, and if you're a brand, I don't think there's much you can say, right? Especially. Well, you if, want them
1: if, to win, don't you? You want them to succeed, and
0: that's the. Yeah. And and if we're honest, not all training brands are performance trainers, are they? They're not all the sh- they're not all the trainer to win the race. And so, if you want an athlete who wants to win the race, you're going to have to take that into account. But what they've done is because they've they've changed the rules a while back but they've only changed the rules for track. So um, you can't wear Vaporflies on the track, which doesn't seem like a big deal for many people because most ultra running isn't on the track. But actually, there was a um, Sondra Moen from Norway. He recently broke the European one hour track record. Just decided he'd see how far he can, um, he can run in an hour. And um he forgot about the ruling. Because he was on a track, he wasn't allowed to wear the vapor flies, so he didn't get the record. Oh really? He's the first person to be for this rule to actually take into effect and not be able to claim that record. But Camille's come out saying that she wants it looked at because they've made this ruling for the track essentially based on track runners without oh, yeah. the th- and they've not thought that actually some 24 hour races, some hundred mile races are on tracks. And should it be consistent where should, should ultra have their own rule? And should it's because I, I, I think it should be distance based where it's some like you determine the trainer based on the distance, the rules for that trainer. So they've come out saying that it can't be too thick, but also the length of spikes is also something they've limited. Um, but, yeah, should it be one rule per sport? So we put ultra running as a separate sport or a subsection section of the sport. Or should it be based on surfaces? And actually, the benefit you get on a track from that train is probably not as much as on a road. So, um, yeah, interesting to see what they'll do, whether they'll actually change the rules. And how gutting would you be? You've just broken the record, got the European record. And then you realise, yeah technicality
1: i tell you what like for nike that's incredible i mean they all they need to do now is just show loads of pictures of blacked out trainers like it's it, yeah it, it's
0: just such an incredible marketing um oh theme. do you know what they do you know what they could do you know what the phrase they'd use black trainers matter and they have someone winning <laughs> that would go down well
1: that would not <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: just in I case anyone was Oh no. I was gonna put was no, just in case no. anyone wanted to know his time, but actually his distance, but I can't actually find this difference. Distance <laughs> that you ran in this article. He he, he passed twenty one K in fifty six minutes, fifty three for anyone. I reckon Kev will probably want to know that. So uh, that's for you, Kev. That's for you, Kev. Um Yeah, in, insane marketing for them because you notice you probably notice a black trainer more than you would a a Vaporfly because if someone's wearing a Vaporfly, yeah. you just assume they're Nike sponsored, right? Especially the speed they're passing. Whereas if someone goes in a an obviously blacked out trainer, you're going to have a conversation saying why have they blacked out that trainer?
1: it's brilliant because the, right. So one of the great things about uh, one of the holy grails for product marketing is that you can create a product that you don't actually need to show it. All you need to do is either show the outline of it. So, you know, immediately it's like a Coke bottle, mm. or you remember that advert for um, uh, Heinz ketchup, where they didn't actually have the bottle in it. They just showed you what you, you know, the, the action and everything. So- Or the iPods advert for yeah. when
0: it was first launched.
1: Yeah, so you don't actually have to show the product in any way. This is like all Nike have to do is start showing a picture of a black outline of a trainer and that is it and you will know exactly what it is even if you're not even even if you're not like super aware of what the vape fly is the fact is that you know you're going to start seeing all of these athletes wearing these blacked out trainers because of their sponsorship deal what well, we, we, we need to, to, to do
0: insane? we need to bring out a really shit black trainer that people can buy because they think it's the same one and they're like oh my god did you see the guy who won the landing marathon yeah. <laughs> call it, he was call right. it. The Mikey Superfly. <laughs> <laughs> the Mike is Superfly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Those do you know, when I when I when I when I worked in like a film and DVD sector for thing, they used to do that all the time. They used to they used to. There was a massive market of releasing DVDs that sounded ever so slightly like big releases that came out,
0: like a Worms a Worms Life.
1: Or it, it was just, yeah, it would be like stuff like that, and it would do mass what? like. The,
0: or Shudder instead of Shrek.
1: Yeah, yeah. it would it, it would basically rely on on people just kind of slightly getting it right, or got kids and like the, one of the biggest ones was Transmorphers, which came out at the same time
0: as Transformers. Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> and do they do they approximately follow? a similar no like, no they just or? no
1: no they'll they'll be a, a film that's already been made and they'll just have rebranded the title it's like when snakes on the plane came out on company released snakes on a train
0: and was there a film where they just have snakes in the train at some point <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> but they would and they'd sell them for like a fiver and people would go
2: oh look snakes
1: on the train <laughs> it's a bit like snakes on the plane i'll buy that it's when, <laughs> it when Woolworths were still around. You could still, yeah, that's was, that was the kind of thing. But, yeah, they would do amazing. I, that entire market, I think, is a winner. Bring out yeah. something that's ever so slightly shit, where there's pretty shit that sounds ever so slightly like it, and there'll be someone that buys it.
0: Yeah, I mean, people with reading disabilities are in trouble, aren't they? Cause, or people who've got blurred vision. It's going to be <laughs> hard for them.
1: Yeah, that's that's our primary market, deceiving people <laughs> they can't see properly. <laughs>
0: But I think we're, um, I think we're just about to go into our next, our next guest. Having talked about CFTB from one person who had their quite good record brutally beaten within the week, to someone who had their incredible record brutally beaten within the week, is the lovely John Kelly. Take it away, Nick. So do bad. It's quite rare that we invite people back. It used to be because um, we didn't know anyone to, to invite in the early days, but John actually, John's coming back for the third time purely based on merit, which is is incredibly rare. Um, but uh, you know him already as finisher of the Buckley Marathons. We had him at the, the National Running Show. And here to talk about his, his, what he's been up to in the UK since then is... The wonderful John Kelly.
3: Hey! Hi, yeah. doing, John. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm excited to be back. I'm doing pretty well.
0: We've got to ask to start with: um, Was did you have a thought recently? Um, who is Damon Hall, and why do I hate him so much?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was very aware of uh, of who he who he is, uh, and and you know, th- there were just a, a few fleeting moments of that, you know. Maybe a moment or two where I emailed my coach and said, OK, next year, here's the lineup. Hattie Buckley round, southwest coast path, you know, going down the list of Damien's records. But uh, that, that, was a, that was a fleeting moment. Uh, it's passed. And uh, we, we are quite good friends.
0: Oh, cool. So have you met each other before then?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. We've we've trained together and uh, he he joined me on my grand round attempt last year um, was. He, he navigated three legs of my Patty Buckley on that attempt. So we were out there for quite a while, had a chance to uh, just uh, chat about U.S. versus U.K. snack food and, and all kinds of great things.
1: <laughs> and all, all that time,
0: it was espionage. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> was... yeah when, when, did, um, when did you find out he was attempting it as well?
3: Uh, so we had actually discussed it, uh, quite a bit throughout the year. It was originally something, uh, that I had decided to do after the spine race this year. And shortly after the spine race, uh, discovering that my wife and I, uh, were expecting an addition in September,
2: so that, yeah,
3: that, that scrapped my tour de giant plans, um, even before COVID was, was really a worry. Uh, and, and so I, I committed to it and uh, discussed it with him, and he he's been thinking about doing it for a number of years and had never had a good year for it, and then, of course, COVID scrapped his plans, so... Uh, There for a while, we we considered uh, running it together. We considered um, the final plan was actually we were going to race in opposite directions at the same time, (laughs) uh, which which would have been great fun. Uh, But um, unfortunately, our our calendars uh, didn't quite align for that. So uh, as it was, I I went first and he went uh, a bit over a week later.
1: OK, just just to like give the the listener an idea what we're talking about, because we haven't actually said um, <laughs> what, what it is we're talking about. So we're talking about so, this. So basically, listener, um, if you if you weren't aware of what happened, John, of course, broke. I think it was a 30 year record for um, running, if uh, I get FKT on the Pennine Way, which how, how long is the Pennine Way?
3: Uh, so just point to point, uh, if you don't add any of the the extra little portions, it's about 260 miles. And yeah, the record had stood since uh, 1989 when Mike Hartley set it.
1: OK, so that's insane. So so you, you smashed the record. And then how many days did that last before Damien <laughs> Hall decided, <laughs>
3: decided to go for it? uh nine it was
0: uh, (laughs) nine days days, seven hours 15 minutes 23
2: seconds
1: (laughs) that's incredible i just like what uh, what 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 honestly though like as david said kind of what did go through your mind like was it was it like, does it suck the joy out of doing it? Does it like the fact that you've done it? Does the fact that you hold it for a while mean something, or, is, or just the fact that you've beaten the record in the first place enough? What, 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 what where do you get the real enjoyment? I it's difficult to say where do you get the real enjoyment because you haven't enjoyed it for that long. But is it is it the accomplishment of it, and did it, does it diminish it from from having it broken so quickly?
3: It, yeah, so there there were a lot of mixed feelings uh, with this, obviously, and it, you know this is a record that had stood for that long, not not because just no one had attempted. There had been attempts on it, and it was a very good and very intimidating record from an extremely good runner. I mean, th- this is a guy who uh, he ran like a six thirty seven hundred k, a four hour forty mile. Uh, this, this was a legit, really good runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, who who set this record um, and so Damien and I really weren't sure uh, if it was possible if either of us could do it um and so there was a huge deal of of satisfaction of of kind of breaking the ice uh if you will of of proving that it was possible uh breaking that that 31 year old mark and um you know one of the- things I remember most Damien told me before he went out there was was thanks for showing me it's possible. And so I, I got to be a part of that a part of the the progression of the record. And so that's a very satisfying feeling. And I'm I'm glad that I, I could help do that. But it, you know, I I would be lying if I said that I didn't wish I could have held it a a little bit longer <laughs> and, and gotten to uh, really fully process that feeling.
1: And so so you're, you're the Roger Bannister, basically, that uh, you, you facilitate. So you're, you're essentially saying that Damien is standing on the shoulders of giants by, by doing <laughs> it. Might, might I just wonder whether, whether when he describes having beaten you, whether he did that in such effusive terms that you just described the previous FKT holder.
3: Yeah. Um... So, like I said, we're we're still uh, still good friends. He's he's going to help me out with uh, my my next attempt at the Grand Round here. That's that's coming up, and sounds like, we, like we actually <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, it was, it was fun. We we actually we went on BBC Breakfast together, um, and and so that was a a nice little spot there. Did
0: uh, you get a sense he was pacing based on what you had done? there? Did it did it change actually how he approached it?
3: no so we we discussed our our plans a bit both before my attempt and between the attempts uh and I don't think that it it changed it uh all that much um but it, it, you know it, mentally i i don't know uh if it if it affected him positively or or negatively uh really
1: and what so what were the <laughs> What were the conditions like when you ran it compared? To where he ran because it's very difficult. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? When we were discussing this the first time, that actually that was you know every every run is different in different conditions and different things affect it. How how did your attempt compare with his in terms of conditions? In terms of anything else, was there was there anything um, worth noting that, that that you would see as different in in what happened when you attempted it?
3: Well, the, the biggest difference was that we did stick to the plan of, of going opposite directions. So I, I went south to north. Uh, he went north to south, uh, which is uh, Mike Hartley also went north to south uh, when he set the record in 1989. Uh, so, it, you know, there, there's not a huge uh, kind of definitive difference in that. Uh, There are pros and cons to both directions. And uh, like uh, some of these these records and FKTs, it's it's part of the excitement to me. It's another variable that you get to attempt to manipulate and attempt Mm -hmm. to optimize. So it kind of comes down to each preference. Um, The weather was was not perfect for either of us. We both had some. Uh, bad spurts of, of weather and, and rain and, and wind and whatnot I, I had a uh, particularly bad uh, going over Crossville uh, overnight uh, was, was a pretty big low point for me uh, But the, these sorts of conditions are, are always going to differ um, And, you know, I, I had some, some stomach issues He had some foot issues And so it's uh, a lot of variables that, that come into play for something like this
0: And do you think they should have, because FKTs are actually a relatively new phenomenon, you know, they've they've been around for years, but it's only the last three or four years that people pay so much attention to them. Do you think that there should be different FKTs for different directions? Because actually, you're not running anything the same if you're doing the the opposite way, because every single step is different to, you know, the down and the up.
3: So, I mean, if it's something that's a huge difference, um, like a huge difference in start and finish elevation or something like that, then, then maybe. Um, but I, I, I think that the farther you keep kind of breaking down these records into more and more specific categories, that mm-hmm. they kind of lose their meaning because the mm-hmm. same as you could say that different directions are different records, do you then say that like, different time of year, different starting time of day, different weather conditions, different shoes. How far do you go on that? Mm. Uh, in the end, to me, again, it's it's just those are all variables that the person going for the record has the choice to try mm. to optimize. And if they choose wrong, that's that's their fault. That's part of the game.
0: Mm. And, and, and it's actually interesting to say that because Bob Graham round does have a winter record as well and a summer record sure that sure. is but I guess that's such a big well-known round that it, it's almost unique um, in its infamy as such um so so why did you decide the pennine way then what was it that did, did you, we you weighing up quite a few different options uh
3: so it was uh, you know something that I had known about uh, for for quite a while especially since Starting to kind of research some of the big uh, trails and some of the big records in the UK before moving over here. Uh, I wasn't familiar with the trail until doing the spine race in January. Uh, And it was something that I I decided I I wanted to experience a bit differently. Uh, I kind of come back in the summer under more optimal conditions. Uh, and see what I can do uh, because it's, it's something where the, the distance and the terrain uh, really appealed to me. I wanted to see uh, more of the landscape and, and the daylight. And it was something that, that again, I, I just felt was kind of right there, just out of reach. Um, and, and those are the k- kinds of things that I, I really like to go for that, that I, I think maybe I can do, probably not, but, but possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and those are the kinds of things that really enforce me uh, forced me to to improve what were
0: you seeing as a big limitation in that because it, was it the fact that it's it's further and a longer period than you, you've done before
3: no so I, I mean the the spine uh, took much lo- I mean it was the, the same uh, trail but it took much longer given that it was in the middle of January mm. and I was carrying all, all of my own gear um, a good seven seven kilograms of, of kit that we had to carry uh for that race. Uh at Tortegiant also took me a good deal longer. Uh it was about the same amount of time as as Barkley. Um so it, it it wasn't that. Um some of the terrain I'm um, still kind of learning uh as as far as the bogs and, and the heather uh how to choose the optimal uh line. That's not mm-hmm. something that that I've really dealt with back in the US. Uh, and also still trying to work out, uh, even though I've done a number of these things, trying to work out how to optimize my, my sleep and uh, nutrition strategies for that length of time.
0: So were you how, how did you get used to the heavy on the bogs Then is, is that something that you, you sort of advice from or have you what kind of tips have you picked up on, on how to make that selection? Because it, it, it varies even day to day.
3: Yeah, uh, so I've gotten some uh, some good tips on, on what's, you know, avoid the, the bright green uh, looking grass and uh, some things of that nature. If I have poles, which I didn't most of the time, they're, they're good for testing. Um, fortunately, on this one, uh, I, it, it was a supported effort. So I had uh, pacers with me the entire time and they could kind of run out front and uh, test the terrain. Uh, as as we went along, but it's uh, really a matter of, of when you're out there uh, to, to not not be too overconfident uh, with any of your your steps. And, uh, you know, c- kind of hope for the best. I, I don't know that I, there really is a way to completely avoid ever stepping in a bog. Mm. And, um,
0: and and in terms of your, your sleep, then, how did you what, what, how, what differed in the way you approach this to something like Barclays?
3: So I, I had a strategy that wasn't all that different um, from Barclays in, in terms of sleep, given the, the similarity and the amount of time that I would be out there. And I, I also hope, well, I did. I, I got to choose my starting time. So I got a good night's sleep the night before, as opposed to when I finished Barclays and the race started at one forty two a.m. And I was... <laughs> pretty much starting, uh, sleep deprived. Uh, so that, that was big, but then, uh, I, I had a some stomach issues, uh, on this run, uh, that really caught up to me pretty bad about halfway into it. And I ended up kind of using sleep to try to reset my stomach, to try to kind of kill two birds with one stone. Maybe I could get some rest. Mm. Uh, and at the same time uh, help out my stomach so I I ended up sleeping around two hours which uh, to be honest is a a good deal more than I planned on
0: and was the stomach issue something you you went into it with or do you think it was uh unfortunate or was it a food selection
3: (laughs) no I, I don't think it was food selection I've uh you know, anyone who's run these types of distances has has dealt with stomach issues before, uh, and I've had them in, in plenty of races, plenty of training runs, uh, but I've I've never had anything that was this intense uh, mm-hmm. and of this duration. Uh, it started uh, quite early on, uh, within the first 10 hours, uh, and I, I just I, I couldn't get anything down, the stuff that I did get down, it was just sitting there. It wasn't actually getting absorbed and digested. Uh, one of my pacers resorted to just basically like handing me two jelly babies every 15 or 20 minutes, you know, just get a few calories down, Mm. uh, slow, steady stream, but, but nothing, uh, really seemed to work, uh, until, I was on the very final stretch and the sheviets and, and all of a sudden my stomach kind of woke up and, and started working again. Uh, and it was it was hungry and it just anything that went down my throat was instantly incinerated. And I, I wanted more. Uh, that, but, you know, that, that was with with like five hours left. So for, for a good 50 hours or so, I was I was maybe probably not getting down a 100 calories or, or so an hour. And so I, I don't know if there was an actual stomach bug or something else wrong. Um, I, I'm not sure.
0: And, and how did that translate into performance?
3: Uh, well, I, I kept moving. Um, I, I doubt that I kept moving optimally. I'm, I'm I would think that if I got down a decent number of calories, I would have uh, been able to maintain a better energy level. I would have certainly been able to sleep less. um, And and I think I would have been able to to continue pushing uh, through that stretch um, from about halfway until the Sheviets, about a hundred mile stretch there, uh, that I I just really uh, was was in a a pretty bad spot and, and lost a lot of time. I went from around uh six hours ahead of record pace to uh you know basically not ahead of record pace at all mm. I had to really push through the last section uh to get uh, 34 minutes back ahead of, of record pace
0: oh which actually when you're that far in and you're beaten up i mean did you did you always think you could do it or was it very close
3: Uh, so I, I had my, my schedule and my, my splits, um, between, uh, different checkpoints. And and so I was never thinking all the way to the, the end. Uh, it's, it's generally pretty overwhelming, uh, to try to do that. And, uh, if you're not in a good spot, it can, can be rather discouraging. So I'm, I'm always thinking, you know, can I make it to the next checkpoint and can I make it on schedule? Uh, and as long as I could keep doing that, then then I knew there was still a chance. So never once really was I asking myself um, or, or thinking that that I couldn't do it. Um, sure, I was never sure that I could. Uh, but but once I got to that last section and I was still on schedule, uh, my the person Nikki Ligo was my my main road support, and, and she looked at me and she said, "You can still do this, but you, but you're going to have to really move." And I just looked at her uh, half asleep and immediately said, well, why? It, because in my mind, I, I, I still had it within my schedule, and I, I knew that I could push over that last stretch if, if I needed to. I, I'm, I'm very much kind of a uh, – I, I, I'm very motivated by being close to competition or being close to a cutoff, and, and so I was confident mm-hmm. that if I got to that last stretch uh, and was close that, that I would find it in me. Uh, to get to the finish.
0: I mean, was that just pure willpower at that point, or did you change your fueling slightly, or was it just because your stomach came back? Or
3: uh, so a, a ton of it is is mental. Uh, so I've I've found this a, a lot in in these types of races that uh, your mental state can have a profound effect on what you're physically capable of doing. Uh, and so going into that last stretch, uh, knowing that I was kind of up against the wall, uh, I, I was able to, to keep moving and and keep pushing and and keep doing what was necessary. Uh, and and whenever I got a bit overconfident, then my pacers there had to kind of, you know, try to encourage me to, to move along a a bit faster. But I I do think also it it was helpful that I was able to actually start getting some, some calories, uh, down me at, at that point.
0: And um, do you, did the experience of having done things like Todd against and, and Barclays, do, do you think, have you, if you'd have done this prior to attempting any of those, do you think there would have been a different outcome?
3: Uh, probably so. Uh, you know, as, as easy as it is to say that uh, it's, it's all just kind of willpower and you can push through these things. It's, when you're really at those lowest of lows, uh, the biggest motivator there is, is, is having been there before. And, you know, knowing deep down inside, uh, in in the innermost reaches of of your mind that you can do this because you have done this. So, you know, you can do this. Uh, and, and so it's, it's not a matter of just, uh, you know, willpower or mental motivation, you have physically done it before and being able to draw from that experience and that memory is, is huge.
0: You mentioned paces and one of the big differences between this and something like Bob Graham Round is that the Bob Graham Round is very well known and there's a whole community of people that have done it before who are set up for helping you. And, and so it's a lot easier to find people who actually understand what you're going through and also know the train incredibly well how how did you find trying to put together a team of paces, given you're you know relatively new to the country
3: uh so it, it, i mean kind of the same as when i, I did grand round last year it was amazing uh the support that i was able to get for it and uh the the team uh that that came together was phenomenal uh, both on road support and in terms of uh, pacers out there actually running with me. I, I think I was uh, at least two people with me at, at every stretch, really, I, I think, exactly two. Uh, for most stretches, I didn't want too many, uh, largely due to COVID restrictions. Mm. Uh, and, and so it, 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 was, it was great. And they, they all knew the, uh, the section that they joined for. Uh, the one difference I, I would say is that, you know, people who join for the Bob Graham, they've done the full Bob Graham themselves and they mm-hmm. uh, they know what it's like. Whereas you say um, not everyone has run the entirety of the Pennine way, although there were some spine veterans out there with me, uh, including my my biggest uh, my, my closest challenger uh, in the spine this year, Jason Cavill uh he he joined for a stretch and guided oh. me through a stretch where actually he he kind of ran me down uh during the spine so he, <laughs> he was the perfect person to have there and, and this sense of you know pe- people just coming out to to help people uh really pursue these these incredible challenges has just been uh amazing uh since I've come here
0: and how how have you typically found those people is it um it- have you been approaching running clubs? Does it tend to be just people you know passing you on, or like if, if someone else is attempting to try and bring together a crack team? What, what advice would you have?
3: Yeah, so I, I start with uh, people I know, and uh, they get the word out to, to people they know, uh, and it, and it kind of spreads from there and until it's reached uh, enough people. Uh, so I, I would. I would say that's that's the best thing is, is just to, to start with people, you know, and, and go from there. There are also uh, for a lot of these challenges like Bob Graham and, and Patty Buckley. There are Facebook groups out there uh, and and those people are, are great uh, and uh, just incredible how much support is, is given uh, for, for some of the things like Bob Graham that people will leave their house at 2 a.m. to go guide a leg for someone they don't even know uh, that posted something on, on Facebook. So that's uh, a, a great way of doing it. But I, I prefer to kind of, uh, again, start with the people that, that I know and, and have run with uh, before.
0: And what instructions do you give to your paces?
3: Uh, um make sure I eat, uh, make sure I stay awake. If, uh, on this one, really there was generally one person that was running a bit farther out in front for, for navigation and one person back with me, um, for, uh, food and, and water. Uh, but, but generally those, those are the big things. Uh, there are some, more kind of, uh, nuances that are, are unique to me in in terms of keeping me moving. If I, if I do start to, to give, get a bit, uh, sleepy or or whatnot, but, um, I, I tend to kind of let them, most of these people have done this before. And, And so they, they know what works best. They, they know what they're doing and, uh, trying to get, too detailed on instructions really just uh, confuses people uh, more than anything. And very... is,
1: is there anything that you do, John, that is um, idiosyncratic of, of of what you're like when you're tired? I'm I'm very interested in you know whether <laughs> uh, whether there's such thing as a you know a John Kelly strop or uh, you know <laughs> any, anything like that, that 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 happens that you know you're going to have and you kind of have to warn paces about it. Uh, is there? Do you ever? Do you ever have anything that you succumb to that you just think, "Oh, this is going to happen over this distance or over
3: this time"? Yeah, d- definitely. Um, and and so I kind of have a few phases of sleep deprivation. Um, the the worst one being uh, a lot of people start to experience hallucinations and, and whatnot. I've I've never. Actually, gotten to that point, I don't know if it's because I've never been able to keep myself awake long enough, but I I essentially get into this narcoleptic state where if if I I feel like if, I'm, if I blink too long, I'm, I'm going to just fall over and be asleep right there wherever I am, uh, and that has essentially happened before. Uh, so when I'm in that state, uh, you know, I, I might start singing, I might start speaking made up gibberish words i might start singing made up gibberish words um i might uh start yelling a long string of not so nice words at myself which uh normally i'm i'm quite mild mannered and uh w- would not use that sort of language but uh, um yeah it it happens it sounds therapeutic as well <laughs> yeah yeah
0: and and where does the power lie within that relationship for things like pacing and deciding when you sleep
3: uh it's it's definitely got to be a, a bit of, of give both ways uh so again the, the pacers have have been there themselves they've they've done these things before uh you know one of the best examples of that was going back to Berkeley when i was uh about to start my fifth loop and and I wanted to take a nap and my, my crew said, no, you, you look okay. While you look okay, you need to keep moving. Uh, and, and so I did, uh, and, and it worked. Uh, so there's, there's gotta be a, a bit of really push from the pacers, uh, to keep the person motivated, to keep them moving along as quickly as possible to keep them eating and doing all of the things that they need to do. Uh, but then, of, of, of course, there is a breaking point where just, uh, you know, the, the person can't be pushed any farther and they've they've got to have a nap or they've got to have a bit of a rest. Um, and it, it's a it's a real kind of pacer skill to, to know where that breaking point is.
0: And, and given that you don't necessarily know everyone, have you had any paces that you've just for some reason found incredibly annoying or who are just really pessimistic? Or who fundamentally have just got it completely wrong and haven't got the ability to run with you.
3: No, um, every, everyone has been <laughs> quite good, and one thing I've, I've been kind of cognizant of here is, uh, you, you know, everyone here is, for the most part, so so polite and, and proper, and, and you won't find people that really um, emotionally venture to the extremes. Uh, I will say. <laughs> uh, and and so I've I've got to encourage people to you know if, if you have to yell angry things at me if if you have to be mean to me then then please do I I might hate you in the moment but I promise I I will love you afterwards.
0: Uh, oh and, I bet Your wife moment. wants to pace just so she can really get it out. All those <laughs> all those things she's been she, she won't be able to say to you in uh, in the cold light of day, but. <laughs>
3: No, no, she she can say him anytime. That's uh, she she's got that license.
0: And uh, is, has has that been a an a challenge? The fact that British personality is very different to American, and so were were, commun- were there communication issues, or did you have to adapt to that?
3: No, um, you know, the only communication issues are are foods that uh, we we don't know or uh. You know, things of that nature. Uh, I, I think it's a pretty universal trait to be a bit hesitant to to yell angry things at someone that you don't may not even <laughs> really know or, or may not have met before. Uh, but but no, it's uh, I think if more than anything, uh, my wife, as she's following along, has more had to uh, interpret learn how to interpret some of these things, whereas, a, you know, a, a U.S. update might be, oh, he's doing so great. He's just going to smash it. Whereas, you know, a U.K. update, that's the equivalent is uh, he's doing well. It looks <laughs> like he's moving. It's...
0: Well, I mean, that that famously in, in one of the wars was an issue where in the Second World War, I think the, uh, the Brits had said to the Americans, like, we're in a, we're in a tight squeeze here or something along those lines, meaning send everyone in, we're getting absolutely pummeled, and the Americans <laughs> thought, oh, sounds like they're doing fine. Yeah, cool, just sit, sit here, boys. <laughs> and, uh, the entire regiment was wiped out. But, um, uh. but you, you mentioned the how foods differ. Have you been importing your favourite American foods for for each challenge, or have you found replacements, or have you just changed what you'd have?
3: Uh, I have for a few of them. Uh, so spine was conveniently right after I had, uh, gone home to visit family for Christmas and New Year's. Uh, so I, I pretty much had a, a whole suitcase of, uh, snack food that I brought back with me for that. Uh, not as much on this one. Uh, and, and I do actually have a, I have a full spreadsheet of, of U.S. and, and U.K. foods. Uh, To to take along with me on these things. I've I've found replacements for uh, most things. Um, The UK doesn't have quite the selection in in snack cakes uh, that the the U.S. does. Uh, And and Reese's Pieces is another thing (laughs) that I've uh, really missed out on. But there's there's also, you know, Tunics and Turkish Delight and things like that that we don't have in the U.S. You have
0: Turkish Delight on your
3: in your run. Ooh. yeah
0: yeah i don't even know what's in that i thought it was mostly water it's like a weird uh, well, it's, it's,
3: yeah it's like a, a rose water gelatin um with uh, covered in chocolate
0: you're about 40 years too young to be having turkish delight <laughs> but, but i mean what what would you say what are the things that are there any others that you've discovered that surprised you and are there some things that you've tried that you just thought, my God, what were they thinking?
3: Uh, so Jelly Babies is, is another huge one uh, that we don't really have anything quite like that in the U.S. You, you know, we yeah. have little gummy bears and whatnot, but that's more like the, the Haribo Star Mix uh, mm-hmm. than, than Jelly, jelly Babies. Um, millionaire's Bars, Jaffa Cakes, Malt Loaf. That they're all they're all pretty good uh mr kipling has a nice selection but uh again doesn't quite replace the uh the full range of uh snack cakes that that i can find in in the u.s where we have like honey buns and oatmeal cream pies are kind of two of the biggest weapons in the the u.s ultra running ar- arsenal
1: they sound oh, so man. american as well
3: yeah <laughs> well if, if you get a, a a frosted honey bun. I, I mean, one of those in a single pack, you can get like 600 calories just with a, a single little What's snack it? cake or downing. Uh, it's it's basically like a a, a cinnamon roll, um, yeah. but but with honey instead of cinnamon. Oh. Uh, and then if you get the frosted variety, it's it's got, you know, a nice, nice layer of uh, uh, icing on top.
0: That sounds good. Have you tried Kendall mint cake yet?
3: I have. Uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of uh, mint in my sweets. OK. It, it just,
0: uh, it, it, yeah, the it, the it, it doesn't work for me. The mint part of a bit that you don't like. <laughs> yeah, of yeah. Of all of that. I, don't,
1: I think more people buy kennel mint cake as souvenirs now than they do actually eat it.
3: <laughs> but yeah, my, my wife's got a uh, a, a big tub of mint chocolate chip ice cream uh in the freezer right now and I just get you know I I feel like you might as well take a thing of toothpaste and and squeeze in there it's kind of the same (laughs) taste to me (laughs) how
1: how much how much do you experiment with I mean how do you experiment like do you do you take a lot of stuff from previous runs and uh, and think, OK, I'm going to try and make incremental improvements on each run. Or are you very much like I will not I will not mess with my routine and everything else on on, on these bigger runs?
3: Yeah, so it, it also depends a, a lot on the length of the run. Um, so, you know, if I'm doing things that are like 10 hours or less, I, I, I kind of stick to my main traditional foundation of of sports nutrition, which uh, I've worked with Hammer Nutrition for uh, a number of years now, and and they're actually, they just opened up a distributor in the UK here recently, Uh, and and that still kind of provides my foundation, Um, but then if I'm doing something 60 plus hours, and you're talking about missing meals and and everything else, then you've got to stack on top of that. So I, I do experiment a lot uh, during my long runs which can be quite fun uh, and and the key really is, is to make sure you have good options for, for salty sweet and savory because your body gets pretty good at telling you what it needs uh, mm-hmm. what it has a deficit of uh, through your cravings uh, and, and then also I, I tend to focus on, on things that a aren't going to get smashed in a pack and, and B uh, aren't Completely bone dry. Mm. Just, just having something that's that's a little bit moist. Like that's why malt cake, malt loaf uh, works fairly well. Just that little bit of moisture in there uh, really helps it go down easier.
0: Um, do you have any hot meals? Because if you think of people like Nikki Spinks, who when she's doing the doubles, she she seems to always have a cooked meal there ready for her. Is that something uh, you can- see
3: so my my main go to uh whenever there's aid available is is pizza. Uh I will I will down pizza at any point at any time. Uh and and that's that's also my biggest savory option. I I tend to really favor the the sweet options, so it's it's good to have that one there. Um and and then on this run in particular, uh when my stomach really turned uh, and I, I just asked road support if there was anything like, you know, chicken noodle soup. And uh, they, they went out and, uh, well, I, I discovered pot noodle, which the, is, is what <laughs> they went out and got me. So for their, uh, the, the last day or so, every time I came to a road crossing, there was a, a thing of cooked pot noodle for me.
0: I don't think <laughs> pot noodle has ever been used to settle a stomach before. It's normally, <laughs> it's normally it's
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like, yeah, ultra runners and drunk people are literally the two people that use Pop Noodle <laughs> in any functional way.
0: I reckon you could probably get a sponsorship deal with them because they're desperate to appeal uh, to appear as if they're not incredibly unhealthy in every way. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd <laughs> be the, the perfect poster boy.
3: Well, I I don't think uh, that anyone would be making that comparison when they're stacked up against uh, the rest of the things I I tend to eat on these runs. (laughs) Health is uh, not exactly the uh, primary criteria here.
0: So, how do do you think? Like, would you ever consider taking on something like, uh, like the FKT unsupported?
3: That's something that, uh, you know, is, is pretty appealing uh, and, and is another difference between uh, kind of my background in the U.S. versus uh, the U.K. is uh, most of the stuff that I did in the U.S. was uh, unsupported and, and pretty self-sufficient. Uh, and, and really, the, the FKTs there are, are broken down, even most of them, into uh, supported where you can have crew, you can have pacers, you you can have whatever, Uh, self-supported, where you can't have crew or pacers, but you can, like, leave yourself caches, or you can Mm -hmm. wander into town and buy resupplies or whatever, Uh, and then unsupported, where other than water, you have to start with absolutely everything you need uh, for the entire thing. And so that that does uh, really uh, appeal to me. I, I enjoy that sort of aspect of, of getting out there solo and, and tackling that challenge. Uh, and there's a lot more flexibility around it as, as well. Uh, and it, it's just a very different experience. Uh, and, and then coming here and some of the things that I've decided to take on, uh, to be honest, there's there's simply no way uh, that I, I could do them without support. Uh, you know, the Penine Way, for example, there's, there's not a separate unsupported record. There was Mike Hartley's record. And to think that I was going to break that record uh, unsupported, I mean, that's just, that, that's ridiculous. Uh, that, mm-hmm. There's no way of, of that happening. And, and this other thing that, that I've mentioned, uh, the grand round that I tried last year, and I'm going to try again here in a couple of weeks, where I'm looking to uh, connect the three big rounds, the Patty Buckley, the Bob Graham and the Charlie Ramsey, uh, riding my bike in between them. Uh, again, I, I don't think there's any way uh, that, that I could do that in an in unsupported fashion uh, in, in really e- any reasonable uh, amount of time.
0: And before we come to talk about that, when we, we messaged before, uh, just after the, the Pan Way You'd said that you're more tired than you possibly ever been. Um, what what was it you think that really took it out of you um, this time compared to other races you've done?
3: I think it was it was probably likely the the lack of calories um, and, and kind of the severe uh, caloric deficit that, that my body went into. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the day after finishing, I, I was just absolutely ravenous, uh, especially for, for protein. Um, just, uh, I would have eaten anything put in front of me. Uh, and that, that continued more than normal, uh, for a few days. And, uh, I think that, uh, really just systemically my, my body was in a pretty bad spot. My, my muscles and my legs, to be honest, they, they weren't all that horrible. Uh, I've, I've gotten worse soreness from, you know, doing a marathon. So uh, I, I think that that was likely the main cause, uh, paired with uh, the sleep deprivation, that really did it.
0: And you, is, have you got any worry that potentially you were cannibalizing yourself a lot, and that it's going to take a lot longer for you to to fully recover?
3: Um, to fully recover, uh, possibly. But you know, my my weight is fine. I, I've kept a close eye on that afterwards, and I, I didn't really lose any weight uh, from the effort. Uh, so that was certainly good news. Uh, so we'll we'll see how things go. But I'm I'm feeling pretty good now. Uh, I've been biking quite a bit uh, since I've uh since i finished and uh, i felt strong on the bike uh, so that's an, another good sign that the the muscles are still there and they're they're still doing well
0: so the three rounds then we what well, we one before we started recording we mentioned how none of us could remember <laughs> whether we would spoken about the last time we attempted it or not because we obviously caught up at the running show and recorded around that time um how have you how, how have you trained for that one pre and post Pennine way, have you just started cycling now or have you had to actually train with a combination of cycling and running even before the the Pennine way with this in mind? Uh,
3: I I did a bit of cycling uh, before the Pennine way, uh, but the the main strategy was coming out of the Pennine way. I could build my cycling while uh, letting the rest of my body recover from the running. Mm. Uh, so I, I have done that, and and another thing that I've found with the cycling uh, is is that I, I can you know obviously I've maintained my my cardio fitness and my muscular strength through running, uh, and I can hop back on a bike and fairly quickly uh, get to a good spot, and I, I know that that's because I spent years doing triathlon and really training hard on the bike, uh, and I guess. There are neuromuscular connections that were made as part of that training that I can very uh, I can much more quickly uh, pick back up on than if I had never uh, really competed uh, as a cyclist before. So, so the strength is there. The connections are there. And, and uh, I find it doesn't take me long uh, to really pick that back up.
0: And in, in terms of the challenge, what percentage of it would you say is cycling and what percentage of it? um not in time but in terms of the effort and intensity and how what percentage of it is running
3: um so the running i'm i'm aiming to to do all three rounds under 24 hours so you know we'll say roughly 70 hours for that um, and the cycling uh both sections together uh, i i would say roughly uh maybe 24 hours, uh, and and so uh, just time-wise, you're looking at you know mm-hmm. 75% um, running, but also I, I would say that the running, uh, the intensity is a bit higher. I'll be pushing harder on that versus the cycling. To be honest, I view as a uh, really long recovery ride
2: mm-hmm. uh,
3: between the rounds, and I, I just need to do it fast enough uh, to get there in time to allow myself to sleep. Before starting the next round is really the big goal. So
0: you're you're going to sleep twice then, are you? And how? What's the plan? And how long are you going to sleep at each
3: station? So, so that's a, a big change from last year. Last year I was targeting a hundred hours. I had a much more aggressive s- schedule on that. Uh, this year I'm targeting hundred and twenty hours, which gives uh, nominally twenty-four hours for each portion: the three runs and the two bikes. Uh, and so I'm, I'm going to look to sleep a, a few hours before and after uh, each round. So uh, after the first round, before and after Bob Graham and before uh, Charlie Ramsey. Um, so kind of on both ends of each bike. And it, when it came down to it last year, I got behind schedule. Uh, sure, the weather played a part in that, but I was just uh, I was completely Uh, Did not get the sleep that I was hoping to get. Uh, And when I hopped on my bike to head to Scotland, I I didn't feel safe in in that Mm -hmm. um, condition. Uh, It's one thing to to be wandering around uh, the hills when you're sleep deprived. But it's another thing to be, uh, you know, biking up a narrow Scottish mountain highway in the middle of Mm -hmm. the night with lorries whizzing past you at 70 miles an hour.
0: And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's com- absolutely seems like a sensible decision. Um, how did you find it then, that transition? Because, you know, even when you do a, a, a triathlon, going from the bike to the run is difficult. Or um, do you think having that sleep is actually going to mean that when you wake up, you almost wake up as if you haven't done the cycle?
3: Um no it will uh, I'll, I'll definitely still feel it but I, I do also think that the uh if done correctly and, and again i was i had to continually remind myself on the bike last year your recovery ride do do not mm-hmm. put too much effort into it and and if done that way really it's it's kind of a a spin that I feel helped loosen my muscles. Uh, a bit after the first round and in particular I had a really bad knee issue for the second half of the first round Um, I hopped on my bike not being able knowing if I'd be able to run uh, when I got to the second round and when I started the second round the knee issue was gone it it was fine Uh, so I I think that you know possibly it, it could help a little bit in terms of staying loose
0: and are you getting a pacer on the bikes as well
3: Uh, This year I am. Last year I I wanted to do the bike solo, uh, largely because of my experience as a triathlete and uh, watching people blatantly cheat by drafting Mm -hmm. in non-draft legal races um, throughout my career and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, personally being uh, repulsed by the concept as a result. Uh, But this year I am uh, definitely, uh, I'm going to have one or two people with me on the bike. Uh, In in part for safety Um, I'm sticking a bit more To kind of A roads Than last year I was uh, winding through Every little village back road And uh, not making good time As a result Uh, But then also yes I I will uh, draft a bit And and, you know After thinking about it It's kind of foolish To have so much support On the run And no support on the bike Um, You know People are carrying my my food and my gear, uh, on their runs. Uh, so, uh, it's, it is a, a supported effort. So I'll, I'll take the support and also if anyone wants to replicate this effort, I, I don't want them to have to rely on, uh, owning a super expensive aerodynamic triathlon bike, mm. uh, which, you know, the benefit of that is kind of negated, uh, if you're able to draft.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, and do you think, like, what, what would you rate your chances at finishing it in the
3: 120
0: hours? 100%. It's 100%. It's always
3: 100%. You can't, you can't ever leave yourself any doubt in any of these things. The second you doubt it, you can't do it.
0: And I'll, I'll rephrase it then. What, what, Which part of it are you most nervous about, or which part do you, you think you're going to find the most challenging?
3: Uh, well, the, the Ramsey round, because it's the part I haven't done yet. Uh, last year, despite the weather, I was still able to get Patty Buckley and Bob Graham in under 24 hours. And so, uh, you know, biking up to Scotland, that's a matter of being sure I have enough sleep to be sure I can safely do it. Uh, and then, I, you know, again, I, I don't have to push on that effort. Um, so the big question is, can I get to Charlie Ramsey? with enough energy left and with enough sleep to be able to complete that in under 24 hours.
0: And and do you think that's mostly going to come down to weather, mostly going to come down to fueling or mostly going to come down to just how good your sleep is?
3: Uh, I, I think sleep will, will be a big factor. Um, fueling I'm not at, nearly as concerned about, especially with having the bike portions in between. Mm. Um, you know, I went for a bike the other day and I was downing a, Solid 500 calories an hour. It's just it's much easier uh, to eat on the bike uh, and and to get a good variety of food down. Uh, Whether I'm I'm hoping I get better luck than last time. Last time I just I got absolutely destroyed um, by by the weather, the the rain and gale force winds on on both rounds. Uh, It was a nice introduction uh, to to British mountain weather. (laughs) Uh, So. Sleep strategy will be a big part, and, and then in the end, I think it's just going to come down to, to physical and mental capability uh, on the Ramsey round.
0: And have you had to adapt your kit to base British weather? Like, is it? Is it? Would you see similar change in the states when you're attempting rounds or when you're attempting FKTs? Or is it a fairly unique British experience?
3: Uh, So it it depends on on the place and and the time of year. I I mean, Barkley, that's one of the the big things uh, that is uh, makes it challenging is is the unpredictability. And and that includes the weather where I've been out on Barkley and uh, on a night loop, the, the water, the jugs of water are frozen solid. Um, so well below, uh, zero Celsius. And then the very next day, just sweltering hot 12 hours later, 30 C, um, Mm -hmm. out there. Uh, so there can be these huge swings. Uh, but, but I will say I've never really, uh, experienced anything quite like the, uh, the combination of, uh, boggy underfoot conditions rain and and gale force winds uh, all at the same time that, that i got uh, introduced to last year
0: well i think there's just a there's almost a, a dampness that seems to just always be in the lakes and the pit district no matter what you do and and that has a real impact on your feet and also potentially on your your morale as well um, yeah. now we've got We've, we've got quite a few questions for you from the Duke Adders. The One one of the questions a lot of people have been saying is, how have you found the terrain in the UK compared to the States? Like, what would you say are the big differences? What do you like and, and what do you dislike?
3: Uh, so as you mentioned, uh, it, it tends to uh, remain quite soggy uh, underfoot. Uh, the uh, trails, the, the footpaths are, are much less defined where you could just kind of be running through a, a random farmer's field between two gates and and with a very indistinct path uh between so I, I do like that that aspect of of kind of exploration uh and and just getting out there and, and wandering uh but uh in, in the u.s the, the trails are, are generally uh more defined and they're you know cut along the sides of hills through forests and, and so you've got to clear out the trees and the leaves and the, the roots and, and whatnot so you kind of have a better idea of where you're going but it also eliminates a bit of the freedom where, where you pretty much stick to the trails whereas you go in the national parks here and you're free to just kind of wander wherever get get peak to peak however you want to and i really enjoy that aspect
0: do you, do you think you have to concentrate more than in the uk because of the fact that The terrain
3: is so varied uh yes and no uh so i mean it especially on the east coast in the u.s where i come from uh you you've really uh gotta keep a close watch on your feet because it's so easy to to catch your toe on a root or a rock or or whatever and and go flying Mm -hmm. um so you you do have to be careful from that aspect uh, in the, the UK, it's just a bit different. Uh, you'll, you'll tend to sink in, instead of going flying.
0: <laughs> and that's the strange thing, actually, is getting used to that feeling of I'm falling. It's probably not. It's probably not. It doesn't matter. But um, <laughs> I, you know, I've just got to embrace this and hope I don't fall in too deep.
3: Yep. Yep.
0: So we've got a question for Pete Faulkner, which is how did you approach your recovery from, from the Pennine Way?
3: Uh, so it's, it's a lot of kind of learning to to listen to your body, getting, getting plenty of sleep, uh, getting plenty of food, uh, not being, you know, trying to get high quality foods, but, uh, food is better than no food and and just listening to your body's demands, uh, really. And and so I, I slept a bit more, uh, fortunately, since we're still working at home, I could take some afternoon naps. And then uh, due to having the grand round coming up, uh, I I hopped on my bike, uh, you know, a a few days after and just went for some easy rides, which I I think kind of helped along with the recovery process as well.
0: But Kev asked, was this harder than the spine race?
3: Yeah, uh, I think it uh, was due to due to the stomach issues and also uh, due to the 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 cutoff that I was facing, uh, having that record that I was chasing is is just unlike a competitor. A competitor you can try to play mind games with them, you can hope that mm-hmm. they falter, um, but that that record that that cutoff is is relentless and and just constantly coming up behind me. So that that was a lot of pressure to deal with, uh, and and was a, a huge challenge uh, to, to overcome everything I faced to stay ahead of it.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Do you think if you were running with Damo together, and obviously it sounds actually the biggest constriction on you was your stomach, but say that hadn't been the case, do you think you would have run it faster than you would have done as individuals? Uh,
3: I, I think I would have. Uh, some some people are really good time trialers. Uh, some people are are really good racers. Uh, I mm. definitely fall into the latter category. Mm-hmm. And and you look at so many of my results and I, I've done just enough to win or just enough to, to get under. You know, this was a great example. I, I beat a, the record by 34 minutes. I finished mm-hmm. Barkley by 30 minutes. There are other records that I've beaten by like 12 minutes. Uh, and, and so I think it's both a strength and a weakness that I have that I'm I'm able to find something when it otherwise would seem like nothing else is there. Uh, and, and so that's that's, again, why I think it's kind of exciting that Damien did set the mark that he did, because uh, for people like me uh, who get motivation from that, uh, that's a, a another huge bar to aim for now.
0: And are you going aim for it?
3: Uh, I'd, I'd like to uh, next year. It, it's uh, these things take a, a lot of commitment and a big chunk out of your schedule, but. Uh, it's it's definitely something that, that I want to give another go and uh, be sure that I've really left my best effort out there and, and done uh, everything that I'm capable of doing.
0: And do you think you're in the same direction or would you go? Through <laughs> yeah,
3: that's that's a, a, I'm I'm still not sure on that. Uh, you know, like I said before, there are pros and cons to, to both directions. Uh, the biggest pro, I think, to the direction Damien went is you get the hardest stretch, the Sheviets, out of the way right off the bat, and you mm. get Crossfell out of the way in the first 100 miles. And, and so that, to me, um, I, I think could, uh, could be pretty big and, and is something that I'll consider.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, that would massively change your experience. Now, I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but Bruce Hollinson asks, "How would you compare Tennessee moonshine to Irish protein
3: huh. The uh, Irish what?
0: A uh, It's it's like a potato spirit that they make, which is their equivalent oh. of moonshine. It might be you've not tried some.
3: If you I, haven't, I don't, uh, it sounds like I, I yeah, I, I don't think I've had that, and and I definitely need to to give that a try. Uh, it's. Uh, I, bit of a disgrace to my Irish roots to uh, not not have sampled any of that.
0: Well, I think it was illegal to make for quite a while because it, it made a lot of people blind. But if you can find some, hopefully, hopefully well, it'll be OK. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, well moon, Moonshine has the same reputation and it's, uh, everyone thinks that Moonshine is illegal, but it's really just Moonshine is the easiest spirit to make illegally. But there are perfect, perfectly legal versions of it. And, and really, it's, it's just unaged whiskey. It hasn't been in the oak cask to get that, uh, that, that brown coloring to it. Mm. And most of the time, it's, it's corn whiskey. But, it, you know, it's, it's, it's perfectly legal uh, in, in some cases.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, um, a question from Irish Joe. Um, how would you compare the UK ultra running community to the US?
3: Uh, so I, I think that the biggest thing is just these uh, the sense of, of community there are around these these big challenges. Uh, mm. and, and like the Bob Graham and, and the other rounds, uh, I, I don't know that there's uh anything in the U.S. I can really think of that, that's like that. And, and people are more spread out. Uh, mm-hmm. they're more, uh, kind of pursuing their own individual, uh, kind of unique challenges and, and they're racing. Uh, whereas, you know, again, there's, there's so much that's concentrated in geographically a, a much smaller area, uh, that, you know, people come from, from all over. Uh, to support these sorts of things, and in, in the U.S., you know, there's there's the East Coast, and there's Flagstaff, and there's California, and there are kind of these individual pockets um, of of people out there. Uh, so I, I'd say that, that that sense of community and and the the sense of collective achievements uh, is is the biggest difference here, where where I truly believe that that when uh, people come out and they support these types of things, it really is a, an achievement. Uh, a collective achievement of, of the entire fell running community to make that happen.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, you kind of leading on to that, you mentioned also how the, the UK doesn't seem to have the same tradition of having supported, unsupported, stealth supported do, do you think that's something that will come and do, do you think it would benefit to have that increased variety or do you think it's, it's better how it is currently?
3: I think that there there are huge benefits to both. Uh, And like I said, I I was kind of always more the mindset of of being the kind of proud, self-reliant, unsupported type person uh, before coming here Uh, and a bit embarrassed, honestly, at times at the amount of support that I've received. It's it's just been uh, amazing. But I, I do think that there are, there are places for both of those. Uh, Damien did a, a winter unsupported Patty Buckley round uh, last year, which was uh, exciting to see. And, and so I, I think it would be great to see both of those uh, pick up more. And it does. It, again, it's just a completely different experience. And uh, both of them uh, are, are incredible to do and, and something that you can learn a lot from.
0: And another question from Run Faster Nick is, is, do you preload yourself with sleep before these big challenges or do you go into it in a normal way?
3: Uh, I attempt I to. Uh, it doesn't always work that way. Uh, you know, I've, I've got a, a job at a startup and three kids, soon to be four. So, uh, you know, life is there for pretty much all of us. Uh, and and so I attempt I, I to get more sleep. I, Got a pretty solid few weeks of sleep uh, going into the Penine Way uh, versus going into the spine. I got a month of just absolutely horrible sleep. And then the night before the race, I went to bed at like 6 p.m. and slept for 12 or 13 hours. So I I tried to cram it, but I, I don't think it really works that way that you can just cram. I think the best that you can do is try to get consistent good sleep. And then maybe in the couple of weeks, leading up to it, up it by an hour or two, uh, if you're able.
0: Mm. And then uh, last question, Chris Halston asks, can you tell us more about your day job and what you're doing with machine learning?
3: Uh, so I'm I'm the CTO at a, a startup here. Uh, it's the reason I moved over. Uh, we, we started a, a company that assesses uh, companies cyber risk in order to price cyber insurance. Uh, So I I use my background as uh, machine learning and and signal processing. So I use that to develop algorithms that can look at companies' various risk attributes and map those to uh, kind of probabilistic expected loss due to cyber attacks. And, and it's, use that to uh, price price insurance. It's not the most exciting application I've ever worked on, but it's definitely one of the most challenging uh, and, and exciting problems.
0: Did, did you happen to look at Strava recently, um, free attack or? Uh,
3: Garmin, uh, you, you mean?
0: Sorry, Garmin, what I about? Of course, Garmin, yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. well, no, that's, that's something that, that we did have to, to have a look at and, and see what our exposure was to them uh, in, in terms of their insurance coverage. Yeah. Not that I can say anything about their insurance <laughs> coverage here, um, but, but yeah, that, that's something that that came up in the office.
1: Yeah, we yeah we had to look at it inexplicably wiped all of Damien Hall's uh, 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 data out of his uh, of his Garmin.
3: For some yeah, I, I don't yeah, know, yeah. I have no, no, I I, no idea how that happened. That's you know,
0: that's a little bit too close for home, now, isn't it? You're being an expert in sending out an AI spider to the world of Garmin. And um, something we you something we want to talk about is the fact that you're doing all of this for for a, a British
3: Yeah, so I, I you know, the, the summer got fairly compressed for me. Um, it, I, I had the Penine Way and the Grand Round scheduled for uh, since January. So COVID didn't really affect what I was going to do. It just compressed it into a one month time span uh, after lockdown ended and before my wife and I are uh, expecting a, a baby at the end of September. Uh, so with them so close together, uh, I decided to name them the Hartley Slam, uh, in honor of Mike Hartley, who had the Penine Way record and is also the only person who has done the three big rounds uh, consecutively. Uh, he, he was driven uh, between them. The, the biking bit I just I, I added in out of my own stupidity. Uh, and and so uh, that that's where the name came from and as part of this uh, I'm doing a fundraiser on just giving for the Stephen Lawrence Charitable Trust uh, and so their aim is to help disadvantaged youth uh, be able to uh, pursue the, the career of their choice and and really uh, get off the ground and get a more uh, fair start and and so as Uh, A father of of soon to be four, that's uh, uh, something I'm quite passionate about. And uh, I've worked with kids uh, going back to college uh, where I'm fortunate to know that my kids are coming into a pretty good spot. But uh, a a lot of them don't, uh, unfortunately, and and do not really have a a fair start in life. And as as runners, I I hope that's something that we can all kind of uh, appreciate is uh, giving people a, a fair start. Uh, so I, uh, I, I made it about halfway to my goal uh, on the Pennine Way. So uh, fitting that I still have uh, half the challenge left coming up here with the grand round.
0: And, and what are you aiming for?
3: Uh, 15,000 pounds.
0: Oh, amazing. And we'll, we'll share it in the group. But is there an easy combination of words people can Google to find your page or can they go to it from your website? Uh,
3: yeah, so I, I've got a a blog post, uh, random uh, called the Hartley slam. Uh, I'll, I'll also continue to post this on social media, uh, leading up to the grand round. Um, but I imagine also, uh, that if you Google, uh, John Kelly and, uh, Penine way, uh, a, a link to it will, will come up. Well, yeah, so there my open tracking page comes up. Open tracking has a has a link to it. Um John Kelly Penine Way just giving brings it up as as the first result. So a number of ways to to find it there. Um there will be a, another tracker for the Grand Round uh that, that will also have a link to it and uh it, you know hopefully that will provide an exciting 120 hours or so of uh, of dot watching there. <laughs>
0: And, um, and should it all go well, uh, could you see yourself calling one of your Kid's partner Bob or Paddy or Pen
3: <laughs> no um well we, we already have a uh, and not only names the first name is, is, a, is um that but name has has already been staked out there. <laughs>
0: Well, John, thanks so much for coming back on, and um, good luck with with the challenge. Are you still looking for runners? If if people were happy to help,
3: uh, I I think I'm um, I'm all set uh, now. If if people want to to reach out and, and get in touch, uh, I can see. Um, but I I'm, I believe I've kind of got the bare minimal support at this point. And uh, again, kind of largely due to COVID, I'm I'm not trying to have much more than the bare minimal support. Um, that was very diplomatic,
1: uh, John. That was knowing knowing when you were sat in the, on the BBR stage, looking out at all the do-baggers <laughs> looking, looking at the general physique of most of them. You're like, Do you know what? I, I'm OK. I'm, a, I'm OK for runners. Yes.
0: He's, he's actually been on Marathon tour, begging for <laughs> runners to help out. <laughs> 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 but
3: no, I, I, I very much uh, uh, appreciate it. Um, and, and again, uh, feel, feel free to, to reach out and, and kind of the, the biggest motivating uh, factor and, and way to, to support uh, at this point is, is through the, the JustGiving page.
0: And if people want to get in touch, is, is your website the best way for them to do that?
3: Yeah, randomforestrunner.com and it has links there. Well, there's a a kind of a a contact me link and then also there's links to my uh, social media pages um, that I can be reached through there as well.
0: Amazing. Well, thanks so much, John, and best of luck. I'm sure you're going to smash it.
3: Thanks very much. Enjoyed it. Cheers, guys.
2: Ah!
0: Oh, he's he's
1: such a lovely chap, isn't he?
0: He is. He is. He's just so down to earth and friendly and approachable. And it's, it's interesting. I've been thinking that there, just like there's only so many people in the UK who could actually even go for something like the Pennine Way at the moment. Like how many, how many people do you reckon? Five, six, seven people who actually could do it fast. Yeah, and, it, yeah. <laughs>
1: and yet two of them managed to do it within two weeks of each other,
0: yeah, yeah crazy um
1: i suppose I suppose it's not that much of a um it, it's not that surprising because when you're looking yeah, you know, there's only a limited number of really famous, really long routes in the u k mm. like like that, really famous really long routes. And there's only a very limited window of time when it's better to do it. Um, and like you say, FKTs now, like there are there are a bunch of FKTs that are just sat there waiting for people to do that. Mm-hmm. Literally, have only you know they kind of people. If you just decide if you decided to do FKTs like five years ago, you could have walked half of them and, and probably, <laughs> probably done it. I mean, that, that was one of the questions I was about to ask him, but he said it himself. That I said, is it? was it one of those FKTs that was literally the only person that, that you know, it was an only known time rather than the fastest mm. time. But, but he answered the great, you said that, you know, it was a really, really good time then. It was, you know, by someone who was like well-respected and, and it, was a, it was a really tough time to beat. Although anyone trying to beat a record would say that. But it's unusual in the sense that that is an FKT that, that was a really strong FKT
3: before it was
1: tackled and for it to hold up for 30 years is is is, it's quite impressive Um,
0: yeah and and the fact that the the previous holder had done the three rounds in one before uh is it it just shows how serious he was and how good he was to have done that when you know the the rounds they've been popularized, popularized more more recently as well um and it, it it didn't seem as if, well, f- from my perspective, it doesn't seem as if ten years ago that many people knew about them.
1: No, no, absolutely it didn't. It was they were, they were they were kind of like folklore, weren't they?
0: Yeah, um, yeah. They were, just you know, of their were no, communities.
1: Yeah, I mean, like Bob Graham Round, you know, really before Feet in the Clouds came along, who knew about that aside from really serious, really mm. serious runners and and local community? Um, yeah, it's just it's the you know the popularisation of, of of things like that as well, um, but it's. I think it's weird, isn't it? It's like you don't. You don't really know what to expect from something like that. So, like two hundred and sixty-eight. Was it two hundred and sixty-eight miles? Two hundred and sixty-five miles across mm. the Pennine Way. I struggle to um, even imagine what part of that is like not having been on that. I can imagine what mm. you know when you're doing um, Bob Graham round or something. Because I've been in the lakes a lot, but mm. um, all along there, I don't know over. Yeah, the thing about, the thing about Bob Graham around, the thing about Lake District is you're doing it within the Lake District, aren't you? It's like it's you're kind of, it, I wouldn't say self-contained because you always still have your own little weather systems and nuances and yeah. things like that. But the spike goes, you know, essentially just you know up the country. And it feels as though, you know, there would be a, a huge change in, with, with so many aspects of that. Um, yeah, and it's which is why which is why I, I was you know what you were saying about you know if you're doing it north to south from south to north mm. surely surely that is enough of a difference to mean that those are two separate fkts
0: yeah because in my mind one's there's downhill
1: not... and one's uphill obviously
0: yeah, yeah yeah but there's not a single step that's the same like there are you couldn't be more different because running up a hill in one direction oh. is very different to running down in the other. You know, the even the, how you land on the, you know, even how that ground is to your foot is very different. So, um
1: okay. but so riddle it, me this. Riddle me this. If they did have
0: two separate
1: FKTs, a South FKT and North FKT, and you ran it backwards from North to South, <laughs> would, you, would you get the North FKT or the South
0: FKT? oh that's a good that's a good question
1: it's it's Um, one of those great questions that marathon talk will never it's the
0: question we've all been asking
1: (laughs) it's the one of the big questions of running
0: but interestingly because the spine if you look at it it ends in um it ends just on the border of scotland but actually this mountain range that goes through the peaks all the way up it carries on through scotland and so is does that turn into is the Pennine way does that become part of a bigger way, or is it a completely different route is it the that,
1: Soviets he's talking about um,
0: yeah, yeah yeah um but it'd be interesting to see how john i guess progresses and develops and changes over the next twenty years because you don't you know he's he's gone through this evolution where he's done his iron man he's done the barclays and He's he's clearly not interested in, in positioning you know, coming high high up in races like UTMB or or your um, you, you know your other big ultras. He, he loves these challenges of coming up with something new, something longer, something harder. And we all as a as a runner, we, we almost reach a peak with pace where you know in your thirties potentially your forties for some like people your fifties you get your marathon and PBs probably younger for ten ks five k PBs but whether he's going to if he when when do you peak for doing things like this is is he going to get to the stage where he's just broken or is it that he's just going to get better and better and more fine-tuned and will he be in his 60s attempting crazy challenges as well
1: it's weird isn't it um when we look at when you look at things like Bob Graham round, and you look at, you know, the age of some of the people that have um, tackled that initially. Age hasn't been an issue, has it? Mm. Um, it really hasn't. So there's, yeah. There's, there's, so many, there's, so many, there's so many variables, aren't there? Well, um, the other thing I thought was interesting. So you asked a question that I was going to ask. Well, that, I was going to ask it, but we the conversation moved on, so I didn't get to ask it, but we, you, you went back round to it. Um, that Would he have... Would he run it quicker if he was racing against Damien mm. in a race? Because, you know, I, because I, you, you think you think the answer would be yes, because he said, you know, competition spurs him on. That's he mm. likes, you know, constantly having that that thing to battle against. Um, I have forgotten what I was going to say now.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, no, that was what I was going to say. No, it, it's a, but he doesn't have any interest in taking part in, in these races. Um, like he's he doing these FKTs and he's racing against himself and stuff like that. And so he, he, he said he's a he's a good competitive racer. He likes that competitive element. He likes the competition. Likes that. But but he, he, he's kind of shunning that in order to race against himself or the challenge. Um, so he, he's obviously decided that that is more of a that is that is more of a challenge. You know, I don't know whether he sees whether he sees that as. Um, because he's not racing against someone, it's a it's a slight uh, it's more of a difficulty. Therefore, it's more challenging. Um, it's and difficult I, I, to know. There's, there's, uh, so what? Eighty percent of what he says, ninety percent must is all mental. Um, mm. You know, uh, be able to, to spur yourself on to do the things that he does is incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he did do the spine that, uh, last year where she won that. Um, and I've never done a paced supported race so I've never really done anything that's multi multi multi-day and it would be interesting to know the difference between that and an actual race because that must be a a wonderful part of it if you've you've moved to the UK and, and maybe we should have asked that actually but but maybe that's part of the charm is you're in a new country and actually you get to hang out with all these people who are passionate about running who know the history, who've experienced all all similar types of races. And and maybe that's a huge draw for him now because that's something.
1: You're saying he's running long distances to make friends. To make
2: friends, exactly.
1: I could do do a marathon or something. I could do like an ultrasound, but yeah, like a 50 miler. But that's only, you know, I'm not going to make any friends with that. I'll do 268 miles because that will mean more friends to speak to.
0: He's just a bit lonely, John. So, oh, John, we'll <laughs> be your know. friends, John. John, we'll be it's your so friends. You have
1: to keep running these to meet friends.
0: <laughs> That's pen pals. Get in the Facebook group, John. Yeah, thanks. You'll make lots of friends. Um, yeah, well, another great episode. I, I just love John. I think he's just so great. Um,
1: three. He's it the, the trio club. There's a lot of people hitting the uh, the three club, isn't there?
0: Yeah, well, probably, club. probably, only, probably only four or five now. Yeah. Um, and they're all legends so it's a good club to be in
1: <laughs> all legends and pete reese <laughs> pete, pete, pete reese knows he was he, he got on three times because we were desperate for guests
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh if we're desperate again john we'll uh <laughs> we'll for, for number four come on come on but, um <laughs> Yeah, if, you, if you've enjoyed this one, we've mentioned his other episodes, which are all really good. Very different, actually. <laughs> even
1: though we can't remember what numbers they are or even what we <laughs> talked about.
0: <laughs> but but one of them was post when he'd finished Barclays. Oh, yeah.
1: Just which,
0: there. yeah, was. After, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was everything all Barclays, because actually at that time we hadn't interviewed Laz either. So it was very much a fact-finding mission about, how it worked and all of the little intricacies. Um, we spoke to Damo Hall as well, actually. He, he's really interesting interview. If you haven't listened to that one, because he actually started up as a, as a walker, long distance walker and a hiker. And he, he still does that as a huge amount of his training. So very different his approach to John. Um,
1: yeah. Any Jasmine, do- Jasmine, Jasmine Paris, like you're talking about long distance walking, long distance walking forms a large part of her, her training as well. And so that's another episode to listen to, you know, her her racing the spine.
0: Yeah, another great one. So um, listen to those ones. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please do rate, subscribe, and review us on iTunes. It really helps our visibility, which helps us get good guests on. If there are other people you'd like us to interview, then you can message me, David, at letters... Sorry, David at badboyrunning.com. (laughs) <laughs> you can write to we're either, not, is it? We're not,
1: we're, not, we're not used to having more than one email address. We're like, what do we like, <laughs> we don't have to know how it works. <laughs> you can. Uh, and you if, can... You wanna, if you want to join the conversation, head over to Facebook and uh, answer three simple questions to get into the Bad Boy Running uh, podcast Facebook group.
0: Absolutely, and uh, we we ask a lot of questions today from the Instagram. We tend to ask in advance what they, what you're gonna. Uh, what you want us to ask our guests and post who they are so follow us on instagram just bad boy running podcast and we will put your questions to future guests there there so thanks for listening go we've never mentioned merch have we not i don't think this year there's merch isn't there is there merch? have we not mentioned it merch buy merch
1: we've got merch we haven't got uh hoodies yet but we're getting those i keep promising that but we've got merch i've sorted all the merch out it's great really really good it's not bad boy running club merch though. Don't talk to me about club merch and all the issues that's got. That's and deal with them.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's that. But um, and and which which website can people get merch on?
1: Badboyrunning.com. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we are never cheating. Everybody, also, join in. We've
1: also, we've also we've also got uh someone pointed out the other day, which I forgot I'd left up there. Um, a limited edition of um, Bushel's Best Bits um, for £500. <laughs> how was how that not being bought yet? I know! Unbelievable! <laughs> Maybe we need to get it signed to
0: reduce the to reduce the price on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is signed, actually. But um, Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be, we'll be back again next week. And uh, as I said, please subscribe, and we'll see you soon. bye 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 but bye, 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 bye But bye, 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 bye I must admit I was a clone To be messing around But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town Come back Yes, and give me one more try Cause I love like this Should I never, ever die Come back
2: Fuck you, buddy